Hi, and welcome to episode 5 of Relay Essay, a connected conversation about student affairs in Canada. The essay in Relay Essay stands for student affairs, which is our main topic of conversation on this podcast. The relay part comes from the fact that each person we interview suggests a few names of folks we should interview next, passing the baton along from interview to interview. Back in episode two, when I interviewed UBC's Darren Fernandez, one of the people he suggested I interview next was Christine Adam from Thompson Rivers University. I believe my exact response was something along the lines of, I cannot wait to talk to her. I have a huge Twitter crush on her. One of the best parts of this podcast is having an excuse to reach out to people I don't know very well and invite them to sit down for a chat. It's worth mentioning that Christine was down to be interviewed after one email. She was on board right away and thought nothing of carving out some of her time at ACPA to sit down and chat with me for a bit. It did not take long for me to realize what a special person Chris is and how lucky the staff, faculty, and students at Thompson Rivers University are to have her as Dean of Students. In our conversation, we covered a lot of ground, so let's get to it. Here's what we spoke about. Adam Cuban, what are you doing? Who will you talk to today? It's Relay Essay. And we're recording. Awesome. Okay, so let's set the scene. We're in a hotel room at the Westin in Montreal at ACPA. And I'm sitting here talking with Christine Adam, who's from Thompson Rivers University. What do you do at Thompson Rivers? I'm the Dean of Students. Okay. And, um, and so I'm also the Dean of the Faculty of Student Development. Okay. Yeah. Tell me more about that. What does that mean? So it means I, I serve a group of people who, um, who support students at the university in areas as diverse as um, uh, the services for Aboriginal students, um, counseling, career education, the writing center, the assessment center. So basically all of the various student service units across the campus and to some extent outside of the campus as well because we're responsible for all the open um, and distance delivery of education okay. in the province. So huh. some students who are learning at a distance as well. Hmm. And this, what, did you do your undergrad there? No, I did my undergrad at Ottawa U. Okay. Okay. And you work, did you work at... So I grew up just north of Kamloops, British Columbia in okay. a town called 100 Mile House, okay. which we could leave for another episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I went to Ottawa for um, undergrad and studied okay. at Ottawa U. And then I went to Carleton and did my master's there and started working there. I worked there for 20 years before I moved back home. Uh, to okay. Kamloops, which was sort of the city that was the closest to the town that I grew up in. Oh, okay, okay. And so, um, I think I mentioned that for this podcast, Darren Fernandez was the person who named mm-hmm. you. So was that or, uh, during time at Carleton? The Carleton days. Okay. Darren was actually a student. Um, oh, okay. When I what was, was that like? What was Darren like as a student? <laughs> <laughs> Expose. <Yeah. laughs> Competent, okay. competent, and um, and uh, th- everything that he is today, um, amazing for sure. Um, competent and stylish, but um, I know I was assistant dean of the faculty of arts and social sciences at, at Carleton, so I worked a lot with people who worked in um, in the student uh, support operations at okay. that point, and that's how I got to know Darren. And 
Okay, so let's go back to University of Ottawa. What was your experience like as an undergrad? It was hard. I came from a really small town mm. of about, uh, well, 3,000 people, a little bit larger than that in terms of the general area. I was a big fish in a small pond, sure. and I moved to Ottawa. I'd never been to Ottawa before, okay. and lived in residence. And uh, So your first a, time going was like moving? moving oh, yeah. Home. Yeah, had never been east of Winnipeg. Okay. And uh, and it was residence life. Roommate who was from Shawinigan spoke spoke English quite well, but lots of francophones around me. That okay. was new. Okay. Lived in a city that was new. Um, it wow. was a big transition for me. Changed my major in my first year. Okay. Um, yeah. What did you study? I started in linguistics. Okay. And I moved into English literature based on a letter I got at Christmas that my English lit prof sent to my home. I went home for Christmas and there was a letter asking Whoa. me if I would consider switching my major to English because I had done so well in first semester mm. in just the course that I had to take in English. So just things like that that happen as a student. I've never heard of anything like that before in my whole life. I haven't since. I, it, it served me well. That's pretty great. And is <laughs> yeah. that what you did your master's? No, I wound up actually switching back to linguistics in my okay. master's. I did applied language studies, which is really the applied end of linguistics. So then what was the, the moment that brought you into like the student life, student affairs world? Mm-hmm. At Carleton, I did a number of things. I started by teaching English as a second language, but I wound up eventually working in a program called the Enriched Support Program, which is an amazing program that's celebrating its 20th year at Carleton this year. And it was an access program for students who didn't meet the entrance requirements, but provided them this really supportive environment to do a 60% load and qualify as special students to a degree program. Amazing program, amazing staff that uh, continue to work there and support that group of students who really deserve a chance to pursue their educational dreams Um, and so I worked with a lot of the student affairs student services Mm. folks at that time and then I transitioned into the dean's office and ran first year programming as assistant dean and that's where really um, I spent lots of time with um, the amazing people that were working there then so nice and is that stuck with you kind of this kind of access mandate? Is that influencing mm-hmm. your work mm-hmm. at Thompson Rivers? Thompson Rivers has an access mandate. Okay. It's, it's a provincial mandate in, in the TRU Act to provide educational access. And so we have a lot of students. It's a really interesting instu- uh, institution because we're the only post-secondary institution in the community. So there isn't a community college. Okay. So we have trades and retail meat cutting and one of the newest law schools in the country okay. and All master's programs yeah. and a, a bachelor of business admin and you know like a real range of programming mm-hmm. academic sort of educational upgrading as well um so when it comes to access it really to me is what our president refers to as a modern university there's just so many different points of access and abilities to transition from one type of study to another mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's a really core value I hold is that access to the possibilities that education can support. One, it's a dialogue that I think sometimes think, especially in student life or first year, sometimes it's kind of like once they get in, then we can support them. But kind of what's that Mm -hmm. arm that's kind of bridging Mm -hmm. that entry point or that access? And Mm -hmm. it sounds like you're doing some good work with that. Yeah. 
Kamloops is a really interesting community. It's a good size for this type of, um, of approach. It's about 85,000 people. So we know a lot of people in the various agencies in town that okay. support people as well. So we've just recently worked on an initiative for um, young people who have been homeless or have experienced homelessness in the community to uh, where the community agencies have been ra wrapping, literally wrapping around them and providing supports. And now they want to provide some sort of bursary or other access to educational opportunities. And we're looking at the educational wrapping that we'll be doing around them when they arrive. So in a community this size where we're all encountering each other, in the grocery store right. on various community mm -hmm. um, boards and other types of activities. It falls out quite naturally. We mm -hmm. really sort of have a responsibility to each other as well as a community. That's very interesting. Um, so I was Googling you. <laughs> Did you come across a French actress who's got the same name? I came across a French actress who has the same name as I know. She's fantastic. Is she? Yeah, she's my alter ego. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Um, I also came across something called One Change. Mm. What's that about? Wow, that that's, harkens back to some things. Um, I think it was on your LinkedIn profile or something. Oh, that's, that's interesting. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> so One Change is a uh, not-for-profit that was started by a good friend of mine who I met in my second year of university. I was studying abroad that year. His name's Stuart Hickox, and he... Um, believed that there were really small things that we could do in our daily lives that could make a difference to the environment and that sometimes people got overwhelmed by what was going on in Absolutely. the world and didn't realize that literally if you changed out your light bulb um, to a CFL bulb right. that that could make a difference. If you thought about how uh, you know how the water was working in your toilet and how to prevent leaks right. that that could make a huge difference in terms of consumption of that resource. And so um, so I sat, he invited me to sit on the board of that organization for a number of years. He now sits, he's the director of One Canada, which is uh, based on One Bono's organization okay. on poverty okay. eradication. And, um, and so, yeah, it's interesting. The folks you meet, I met him as a second year student and we wind up uh, encountering each other in different ways. And I suspect probably you encounter folks that you met as an undergrad or in, in graduate school. You just keep bumping up against each other and finding new ways to not study together like you did when you were 18 or 19, right. but um, move towards some, some change in the world. So. That's so cool. And I yeah. see some strong parallels from the way you're doing some of your work at Thompson Rivers around mm -hmm. like it's about, yeah, each little thing adding up to make a bigger difference. Yep. Oh, um, okay. So Darren said that I needed to ask you about <laughs> some adventures that you have been on. Darren. said you're a very adventurous person. I don't think of myself as being very adventurous. But I, um, I, I assume he's talking about what I did before I went to TRU. My, I had a sabbatical um, that I had uh, um, built up time towards at Carleton, and, and my family decided to take a year and uh, live a little bit more simply and uh, reduce the amount of space we had and stuff we had in our lives. So we sold our house and put everything in storage and decided that since I had some studying to do and some reading to do for the year, mm -hmm. um, that we didn't necessarily have to do that in Ottawa and okay. worry about shoveling driveways and, and paying 
you know, yeah. electrical bills and that sort of thing. So we bought a truck and a travel trailer, and we went driving around North America for a year, yanked our kids out of school. And it's not, you know, we weren't jumping off of the side of mountains or anything. We just decided to think about learning in a different way for a year. So I went and visited some interesting schools that were doing some things around service learning. Okay. And um, and actual K-12 schools that were doing some interesting mm. things around learning outside of actual school, formal school settings. And my kids learned whatever they felt like for a year. How was that? It was pretty cool. Yeah? I think it's probably one of the best things we've ever done as a family. And I think there's probably a lot of people who would dream about that or yeah. think about if I ever had the chance, but you've actually done it. Yeah, it was a real, it was a real privilege that we had, um, and it was a time in our lives when we could do it. But um, mm. it, what was really interesting, I've said this to other people, is that the people who sort of questioned what we were doing um, were people our age that were worried that we were sort of putting our kids in some form of jeopardy academically. They were 10 and 7. Um, that they'd lose out, they'd miss something important that year and have trouble catching up. Or that we would um, lose out professionally. Um, mm. That my husband was um, involved in some startups in biotechnology and that he would somehow lose an opportunity. Sure. Or that I would, you know, well, I was on sabbatical, so it, it, I was probably the least risky of all of us. But um, what was interesting was the folks that we ran into when we were traveling, we spent a lot of time in um, snowbird type. Okay. Um, travel parks gotcha. or, or RV parks. Yeah. They thought what we were doing was wonderful. Right. And they say, oh, man, if I could have done that when I was your age, I would have done it. Now we're doing it when we're older. You know, yeah. we're less, we can't walk on the beach as long as you guys can. You know, we can't do those sorts of things. So it was good to um, hear that from people who were sort of at another point in their lives reflecting on how what, what decisions they'd made when they mm. were in their early 40s. So. Wow. Are there moments, like, when you think back to that experience, what's on the highlight reel? Like, what's, what are some of the things where you're like, this is why we did it? Um, the, the, it it's not so much specific episodes, but what we learned was we learned so much about our boys and mm. how they learn. And so I think a lot about that when I think about how the students I get the pleasure to work with now learn. Um, my older son just sort of delved into Harry Potter and, and sat and read for hours and hours in this fictional world. And my younger son sort of learns much more uh, through, he, he read fishing guides for a year. It sounds really silly, but he just got really interested in fishing and he learned all about all different types of fishes, fish and lures and learned to tie flies and just, and talked about it constantly and asked us questions about everything constantly. Whoa. My older son sat very quietly and asked us like one good question a week. Um, <laughs> you tell he'd been thinking things over and he would ask this really deeply thought through hypothetical question that would totally stump us. And my younger son was just, all the learning was externalized. And so it was interesting to watch two, two kids who, like, literally were made up of, you know, me and my husband's stuff, um, it just come out with such different approaches. Totally. Same learning environment, you know, family environment, everything. Right. But approaching their learning in very different ways. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Well, and also putting them in the driver's seat of what they wanted to spend yeah. time learning, which yeah. never happens. Yeah, we didn't homeschool. 
that year. Um, there was no curriculum. Um, there was no, was like, covering, really, like, integers and, like... <laughs> there was one really bad day in West Texas where I kind of <laughs> lost it and said, we are homeschooling today. Get in the truck. You know, the first hour is going to be math, and the next hour is going to be spelling, and the next hour is going to be recess, and then there'll be tests. And it was, a, it was a horrible day. <laughs> it was awful. <laughs> we, we, it was just one of those moments that probably doesn't make the family highlight reel at a wedding or something like that. But um, it, uh, in, it, it, I think, probably became emblematic of what was working otherwise, which is just, we, we went to a lot of science museums. Yeah. Yeah, which was kind of cool. And we spent a lot of time in national parks and national forests and beaches and just wandering around and picking up shells and, and, and them talking to older folks. I was just going to say, in these kind of um, trailer parks, too, just yeah. the wisdom of folks who have been around longer than us is... Yeah. That's amazing. One of the one of my philosophies is, like, you'll never know unless you go. Yeah. So I feel like you can sit at home, you can Google it, or you can pick up a book, but you will never know unless you're breathing it, speaking with someone who's lived it, holding yeah. it in your hands. Like, I think there's something to be said, so that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. And along the way, I applied for the job at TRU, and flew up and interviewed, and so our sort of full circle trip wound up being a U-shape instead. We sort of stopped in British Columbia at the end. Oh, amazing. Yeah. So what's going on at TRU right now? What's happening? Let's see. I think we're probably dealing with the same sorts of things many of our colleagues deal with in terms of making sure that we have good programming around mental health. Um, that we have um, solid educational program around um, sexual violence prevention and response. Yeah. Um, that's uh, that's a big focus right now. Um, just uh, I chair a task force, the president's task force on sexual assault prevention and, and response, and um, I really believe our students deserve our best work on that, and that our best work has uh, taken us through a really interesting journey for the last six months or so. Mm. Um, and uh, I'm quite confident we'll come out with some good materials from that. We work really well with our our colleagues throughout the province, mm. um, just that they're sort of the closest to us, but sure. also we learn from colleagues in other parts of Canada as well. Um, what else are we dealing with at TRU that's interesting? I think we've had some really interesting activities um, underway around uh, responding to the uh, calls for action from the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. We right. had Justice Murray Sinclair speak to us in the fall. Okay. It was an incredibly powerful evening with him and with um, various people from the, the broader community. We we're on uh, Sequetmakulu, which is the, the traditional lands of the Sequetmak people, and many of those are survivors of the Kamloops Residential School, and they were there, okay. and they spoke, and, or their children or their grandchildren, and many of them are people we see on campus every day right. so that was um that was important that's that truth part of that work and now the reconciliation work begins and so how we think about um what goes on on our campus and how we honor um people rather than try to eradicate their their languages and their culture how we learn instead is uh, amazing it is and I'm, I'm, over, I'm often overwhelmed, and I'm someone in a leadership role like yourself, when we're talking about things like mental health and sexual violence mm-hmm. and truth and reconciliation, these are not isolated things that 
occur only on our campuses in the short amount of time that a student might be with us on our campus. Mm. These are, so how do you even begin to wrap your head around some of these larger issues that are sometimes global Mm. um, or sometimes connected to other larger societal issues? Mm -hmm. Um, I think just responding for myself personally, some days I think I deal with it really well and some days I don't because my patience... um, gets a little bit uh, thin. Mm. Um, just, uh, I think often in student affairs, we do want to have an impact on those students who are here on campus right now, mm-hmm. and there are some things we can do that will address those needs, but the long game is really important as well. So I think about my son who's in grade eight right now, and what I hope his experience on campus is like mm-hmm. in, when he arrives on my campus or right. someone else's in uh, later in 2020, in September 2020, unless he decides to go off and live on a fishing <laughs> boat, which is important. He has been talking about a gap year recently. But, but no, what will he experience? What will our supports look like? And how will he live an experience on campus then that is different? And so there are, there's not going to be a magic bullet in 2017 that gets us there it's going to be slow small steps right and so celebrating those small steps along the way is really important too yeah oh man so i had this this question but i think the question was around and the reason why i wanted to do this podcast was kind of capturing this oral history of our of our work and who's doing this work um but if you were if there was like a time capsule for your work for this year that in 20 years someone would open up what were some of the things that you might put in there? Would you put maybe some of the reports from the President's Task Force? Or mm-hmm. what, were, what would be some of the items that you would put in there that would tell the story of the way things were at Thompson Rivers in 2016? Wow. There's going to be a really long, silent pause. <laughs> you can play music or something like that. Yeah, certainly um, things from the, the President's Task Force. Um, I think I'd make sure if it was a large enough capsule that it included an amazing painting by one of our students, um, Adam, Eric, sorry, his brother's Adam, um, Eric, uh, that is up in the um, science building that uh, he's from Haida Gwaii, and it's an amazing painting that he did of the wolf pack, which is our uh, university team, um, but done in, in a Haida style. Oh, cool. And um, I, um, I think it's sort of emblematic of him as a student and um, the support he's got from the pack, uh, the group of people that he studies with, and, and he's a runner as well, so the team that he trains with. Uh, what else would I put in there? Hmm. I want to put in something cheesy like a USB stick because in 20 years someone will be like, what oh was, yeah. What was this? Yeah. Like? Well, what I would put yeah. actually is we've got these amazing, great big beanbag chairs. They're called Fat Boys. I don't know if you see. They're like a. I have seen those. They're fantastic. Are they and good? So we just got um, a set of them that are in various parts of our offices. Um, they're sort of a the same color green that's used in our new logo. Okay. On campus, which I'd also put in, um, but uh, they. Again, it would need to be a big time capsule. But that's fine. One, it's all But that's been sort of our um, attempt to have a visual identity at various events where we have the beanbag chairs come out and it's a nice comfy place for people right. to sit down and it sort of can move around campus. And then, yes, um, the university's just launched a new brand, which 
you wouldn't normally think of sort of being connected to student affairs, but I've been really impressed with how my colleague Lucille Nanasahamani has guided the university through this process mm. of understanding who we are and getting a sense of um, the brand reflecting how our students and how we um, experience the campus. TRU has always used TRU, Thompson Rivers University, and what's resulted from this has been um, a transition to using true, find your true, your right. true passion. And I think there was a little resistance perhaps initially to using the true as opposed to TRU when the university was first named uh, 10 years ago. But now I think people have embraced it and that whole idea of being true or authentic to yourself. Mm -hmm. So there's some really good branding materials that have come out of that. I think I'd throw those in there too. Oh, that's really cool. I like that. Um, one of the questions that I have, because you're a dean of students, what are your favorite parts of your job? What are your, maybe your least favorite parts of your job? My very favorite part of my job is convocation. Mm. I love I loved convocation when I was at Carleton as well because I worked with students in first year. And when I worked with students in the Enriched Support Program, even more so because convocation is when you see people achieving all of that and you literally see people in their transformed state. They yes. carry themselves differently. They speak differently. They have more confidence. And their families and loved and ones, that's where yeah. it gets me. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's amazing. And the other part, I, I actually put a lot of energy each year into nominating honorary degree recipients um, because I want our students to hear from inspiring people at their convocations mm -hmm. as well who've made a difference. So Spencer West has spoken to them. Craig okay. Kielberger has spoken to them. Um, uh, Sheila Watt-Cloutier, um, Sheila Fraser, like just folks from... Um, Canada and, and broader, um, who've done amazing things with their lives, but also who are so ethical in their approach to the work that they do. Sure. So that's why I love convocation. It's just, I love sitting on the stage. And we have this um, tradition of making sure that any, any um, graduate who wants to cross the stage with their children can do so. And so you see little, little girls and boys or little kids, who, little babies who are being nursed while their parents and their mother sitting down in the, in the stands waiting to come up. It, it's um, that recognition of the whole family supporting yeah. someone's success. So I love that. That's an amazing day. Just I just like walking around campus and um, encountering students who... Um, who I've seen come through our office. My office is in the same space where uh, disability services, counseling, and student affairs is located. And so often those are students who are struggling in some way. Sure. And so seeing them on campus, just not necessarily nodding to them because I want to be discreet, but mm -hmm. watching them um, live uh, a life on campus that's working for them um, in that some of their struggles is really kind of nifty too yeah. and then I get to see them around in town which is really great I go down to the United Way I serve on a board in town and we interact with the United Way a fair amount a lot of their staff are students are former students and so seeing them there is great too that's amazing yeah it sounds like there's this really close connection with where you're situated yeah, yeah. Which is something I think a lot of institutions strive for, but it sounds like you. You're, yeah, you're, no, that's part we're of DNA. we're really yeah. really lucky. The community is so proud to have a university there, um, and and so you really feel they um, 
worked very hard to make sure that Kamloops got a university. Mm. And so they, they're invested in it. And, and, you know, a lot of our students, they, um, they come from the community. Their neighbors work at the university or their, you right. know, their best friend's dad is a prof or their best friend's mom is, um, you know, working in, um, in the finance office. And, you know, there's that connection. That's amazing. So, yeah, so we're responsible to each other, which is really important. Very cool. Yeah. And so what are your, some of your, your least favorite parts of your gig? Oh, sitting in meetings. Um, <laughs> meetings to talk about future meetings? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I've, I've been learning how to not go to meetings. Um, I don't go to meetings without agendas, which means I also need to make sure I have agendas, and I'm right. not always very good at that. So, I, so it's, yeah, it, it goes both ways. Um... um what else is not so enjoyable? Sometimes I spend some of my day um, brokering relationships where people aren't understanding each other. The ultimate result is really fulfilling, but I, I find it hard um, sometimes dealing with people who aren't being generous with each other and aren't mm. trying to understand each other. Um, you know, so I, I'm compelled to get in there and try and straighten that out, right. but um, I I find it frustrating just in terms of working with people, um, working with people who aren't starting from a point of um, of generosity. Right. And but we all have bad days, and I get that. <laughs> well, it takes a lot of yeah. energy. There's that. Yeah. That positions and interests when you look yeah. at it, and so when people their interests are aligned, but their positions are so fixed, yeah. and you're like, everyone, can we just Take a moment, we're working on the same page. Yeah, that can be really draining. Yeah. Yeah. In general, it's... Like I said, I think the meetings part, I think a lot of people would talk about meetings um, and how they try to um, respond to that. I've read a good book um, that's helped me think about... What's it called? It's called... um, It's it's called the Modern Meeting Manifesto. I'm trying to think of what it's oh. got a it's got a a different title to it. Um, don't cancel that meeting. Don't go to that meeting. Something like that. But then the the subtitle is the Modern Modern Meeting Manifesto. It's okay. very easy to find on the web. That's awesome. I read something called Death by Meeting. Have you read that one? No. It's re- it's like a parable. Of the same one guy who wrote Five Dysfunctions of a Team. And oh yeah, yeah. One and it's yeah. it's pretty good. But I I, yeah. I feel like we're all trying to figure out how to be more efficient. And, and then. More, the other book that's that sort of transformed how I work is um, the five minute or the five minute manager meets the monkey. Okay. And it's um it's and actually that relates to things I find less enjoyable. It's the uh, notion of people putting monkeys on your back. Like, can you deal with this monkey? Right. Can you deal with this and and just take care of them for a while for right. me or fix them or whatever. And so how you give monkeys back to people, make sure that they're feeding and caring for them, and you don't accept other people's monkeys that basically aren't your work. Aren't yours. And so uh, that happens sometimes where. I think as dean of students, people think, and I get phone calls all the time, like, I'm having trouble with my course and getting students online access to it. And can uh, you fix it? <laughs> I'm like, no, actually, I can't. Right. And so redirecting. Um, but um, so I'm trying to work at a little bit of um, catch and release and getting people to the right people. Because I work with an amazing team. Mm. And if people think that they can only come to me, that's, that's not good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything else that's in your bandwidth, like any other books or 
podcasts or, oh. or people or Twitter tweeters? Um, uh, I, I'm on a bit of a, a tear these days with getting things done. So mm. I think we, there's a few of us in Student Affairs in Canada who've been talking about it. Uh, Glenn Wepler, Aaron, Aaron like, Middlecombe's big on it now. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and Wayne Seibel, we're all trying to... Uh, to get going on thinking about how we get our, our productivity up right. so that our presence, our productivity sort of balanced in the right times of our day. So we're also being present. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have tried to read that book three times, which Seriously? is the greatest irony. I have not gotten that book done, which is <laughs> my deepest shame. So listen to the podcast yeah. uh, on David, David Allen. David davidco.com I think okay, it is but I'll the, find it. the podcasts are great. Oh, that's great. And and probably easier than reading the books. Well, and that's one of the things too in our in our team at U of T we've spoken a lot about when we do our own PD plans. Some of it's around our our work and our job. The other one is around productivity. Yeah. Cuz you could be the smartest, most brilliant content expert in your in your work, but if you don't know how to do mail merge, you're going to spend 3 days trying to focus yeah. on the things that aren't going to be perhaps the most useful or like um, will allow you to be more um, present for the relationships or the other things. That yeah. Matter. I'm pro-mail merge. I think that should be a competency in all. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm pro-finding someone else to do it for me. <laughs> See, that's a competency too. Yeah, yeah. I support that. That's catch and release. Catch and release. I like the monkeys. I'm going to read that. Um, okay, I've got a few um, like quick questions for you. Some rapid fire questions. Are you ready? Answer them quickly. No, you can think Talk about it. Okay. Um, if you had to pick a song that would play every time you entered into a room, like kind of like your entrance theme or your walkout music as if you're in baseball, what would that song be? Just another Manic Monday. Amazing. That was I know, great. right? My 80s girl's coming out. We asked that in our office the other day and people started walk- entering in rooms playing their song on their, <laughs> on their phones. So... Um, if you could be doing any other job other than working in higher ed, what do you think you'd be doing? Uh, I'd own a tiki bar. Amazing. <laughs> um, what's the last thing that you binged on Netflix or any other? House of Cards. House of Cards. We talked about that I this know. morning. Yeah. But wa- before that? Since we spoke this morning, I've watched another episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's too much. Okay, we all, it's, yeah, your inner Claire Underwood. Oh my gosh. Actually, I want the outer Claire Underwood, not the inner one. I know, I just want the outfits. Um, What's the last book you read? I read um, uh, A Little Life. Okay. By, oh, I don't know how to pronounce the name. It's a beautiful book. Beautiful. Fiction, nonfiction? Fiction. Okay. About four uh, male friends in New York City. Just beautiful, beautiful book. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um,. Well, that that's the end of my rapid wow. fire quiz. That was easy, right? Yeah. Well, the last one is, sure. so you know the premise oh, yeah. of this is that yeah. um, everyone suggests a few names of people we should interview next. So do you have any thoughts on mm-hmm. who I should interview and what I should talk to them about? Uh, Shannon Clark okay. at UNB. Okay. Um, she worked with us at Carleton back in the day. The Carleton Mafia. The I know. Strong. It was it was just a golden golden time, Shannon. Um, I think I would just talk to her about playing the ukulele. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and and all sorts of other good things. I'm picturing us all gathering at your tiki bar in the future. <laughs> Shannon will bring the ukulele. It's gonna be amazing. Drag show. Yeah. Be fantastic. We'll do it all. Um, Shannon. 
Uh, Melanie Condorman at Quest. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you talk to her about anything Questy. She's just pretty fantastic. I was, uh, she would do a presentation every year at Caucus. Yeah. And I was like just sitting in the front row for every time she I would know. present because I just wanted to hear and her talk about it. I would tweet that I want to be, I, I want to be a Quest student and then our Marcom people would sort of <laughs> send me an email saying, um, do you really think you should be tweeting that? But, um, yeah, Melanie's. Melanie's pretty amazing. That was awesome. And we got to yeah. visit for one of the pre-conferences last year. Oh, yeah? At Caucus. Yeah, they hosted folks yeah. for um, a little bit, and I did not want to leave. Yeah. It's a beautiful place. She's physically almost exactly like my younger sister, so whenever I'm around her, I finally had to tell her, I said, like, you're so much like my sister that I just feel so much more comfortable around you. You just, you sort of move like her, you right. dress like her. It's very strange. Not really doppelgangery, but just more like in terms of her totally. spirit or something. Yeah. Okay, so Shannon, Melanie. Uh, this gender equity here. I'm trying to think of a guy. <laughs> I may not be able to. Well, that's fine. Those are two, and those are two yeah. like yeah, no, different just really parts of the different, world too. Different yeah, folks. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah. And two folks that I would love to have the chance to chat with. So that's probably the, also the best part of this. Good. I was that... trying to get out of the UT Carlton sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's awesome, because even this has been a good chance, an excuse to get to know you better and <laughs> chat up. So thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah. And... Well, there it is. I think we could have gone on for a lot longer. And I really can't wait for the next time I can hang out with Chris Adams. Such a thoughtful and dedicated practitioner. I'm so thankful that Darren thought to recommend her. Who knew that in my first interview with Jen Gonzalez over at Ryerson, that... That would lead me to Darren at UBC and then over to Christine at TRU. Where will this podcast go next? I guess you'll just have to keep listening to find out. <laughs> well, you can connect with Christine on Twitter. Her handle is at TRU Dean Students. While you're there, feel free to connect with me. My handle is at Adam Kuhn, A-D-A-M-K-U-H-N. Let me know what you think about the podcast and let me know if you have any ideas of who I should interview next. I'm always looking out for students, staff, and faculty with interesting perspectives on student affairs in Canada. Don't be shy. If you enjoyed listening, please recommend this to a friend or a colleague. That would be very helpful. And uh, our theme music is provided by the amazing Adrian Ross. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, bye for now. <laughs>